Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 34 to 44. Listen for the word of God. As he went ashore, he saw a crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and he ate, and all ate and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. The feeding of the five thousand is probably Jesus' best known miracle. If not, it is definitely in the top three. It's up there with Jesus walking on water. It's with Jesus turning water into wine. It's one of those stories we hear in vacation Bible school, in art and music camp. We hear when we're little children in Sunday school. It's one we hear time and again as we're growing up. It's the only miracle to appear in all four Gospels. It's a big deal. Jesus and his disciples teaching a crowd of 5,000 men plus their families. And Jesus teaches so long that the crowd starts to get hungry. I'm sure you know nothing about that. And the disciples come to Jesus and said, the crowd's starting to get hungry. They're going to start leaving. They've got to get in line before the Baptist. They've got to get to the restaurant before the Methodist. What do we do? And Jesus says, feed them. And they said, well, what, should we go out and buy enough bread for 5,000 people? Jesus said, well, how many loaves do you have? How many fish? They went and they counted and they came back. Well, we've got five loaves of bread and two fish. And so Jesus said, feed the people. And they started to pass them around. And loaf got passed from person to person. And fish got passed from person to person. And it went through the entire crowd And when they were all done, when they'd all eaten their fill, there was enough crumbs left over to fill 12 baskets with crumbs of bread and fish. And the disciples were amazed, and the crowd was amazed. But one little detail we often overlook when we tell the story of this miracle is when they first gathered Let's read the beginning of our scripture passage again. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. 
So there's this huge crowd, and Jesus began to teach. And what did he teach them? This miracle is recorded in four Gospels. Can anyone tell me what Jesus taught the crowd? We have no idea. We have no clue. Jesus had this important lesson, and he taught for hours and on and hours on end, he taught them many things. And 5,000 people went from that place telling their friends, telling their neighbors, telling their family members what had happened. But when they told, they didn't say what Jesus had taught them. They told the story of Jesus taking the bread and the fish and blessing it and everyone eating their fill. Stories are important. Stories are powerful. We're going to do a little experiment right now. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them three factual things about you. It could be your height. It could be where you grew up. It could be your weight, if you're brave. It could be whatever you want, your favorite car, your favorite TV show. But just tell them three things about you. This isn't uh, rhetorical. I, I really want you to do this. It's a... All right, I'm going to pull us back in now. I'm going to try to pull us back in now. All right, now I want you to turn to that same neighbor. And I want you to briefly, briefly tell them about your favorite childhood memory. Or a favorite, not necessarily the, the top one. All right, I've got a question for you now. Who, who feel, feels like they learned something new about their neighbor? Just, you don't have to. Now, did you learn more from the facts or from the story of their childhood memory? What, what, what do you feel like helped you to get to know them better? The story. Anyone else? Who, what Facts? Anyone else? Story? Generally, it's our stories that help convey who we are. Generally, it's, it's the stories that, that form our identity, that tell us who we are, what's important to us, what we value, how we live our lives. When you think about Jesus and what we know about Jesus, where do those come from? They're usually stories of his miracles, of the acts he did, or they're his lessons that are told as stories. As the parables. The parables of the good Samaritan. The parables of the lost sheep. 
Jesus taught using stories because he knew that stories stick with people longer. I could give you a list of statistics or I could tell you the story behind that and that will really inform you more. If I told you that in 2009, Xbox sales plummeted from 12 million to 4 million, you would think that's devastating. But if I told you that that's when the Xbox 360 came out and told you the story about the development of a new system that overtook it, then the story becomes complete and you know what's going on. Stories are who we are. And today is our rechartering Sunday. Today's the day we celebrate the founding of this particular congregation, this unit, this part of the body of Christ. And so I'm going to ask you to help tell our story. And I've told you for a couple of weeks that I'm asking you to, to share a story of your faith, of your interaction, either as a follower of Christ or as a part of this particular body of Christ. And as we prepare to tell those stories, I ask that you rise and we will sing, I love to tell the story. If you have a story that you would like to share, either from your faith journey or from being part of a life of the congregation, whatever it might be, I ask that you raise your hand. Good morning. For me, United Parish of Bowie, we've been going for a very long time. And it's the people, so many people. When I was thinking of the people that I have known through the United Parish, and of course, one of my great favorites was Richard and his wife, Dottie. And how much that man made such a difference in our lives. He was the high school teacher, right, Alex? Um, I think anyone of the age of our children probably had Richard had as much influence on them as any other soul on this earth. And he did such a great job of telling the stories, of helping kids find a faith base, and the good that he did, and the encouragement he gave to us as parents. And just as a neighbor, he was a next-door neighbor to me. A wonderful, wonderful memory of the United Parish from the very beginning. You were quite early members. Was Richard and Doc. Hi, I'm Jim. There's a lot of stories of the United Parish of Bowie going all the way back from when it was a, a house church. Um, we joined in the uh, middle, the late 80s, and... Shortly after that, I got approached to, to join the board, and I got on the board, and then a little after that, um, we had kind of a, a financial crisis. Our, our treasurer quit and left the church, and I was wondering why, and then I looked at the books, and, and, and I saw why, and, uh, um, and uh, I got talked to being in, in the, treasurer, the treasurer, and I was saying, well, what are we going to do? And um, Carl former pastor, uh, Carl Bickle, said, well, let's go talk, let's talk it over, and then let's, then let's go talk to the, uh, the Presbytery. The Presbytery and the UCC both held loans, and uh, at the time, the, the previous 12 months, we had made three payments, which wasn't too good on the mortgage. And um, so we went down, and, and, I, and I said, well, this is going to be a disaster. They're going to tell us to close the church down or something like this, you know. And... Uh, 
we went and talked, and we came out with a we went with a plan that well we'll pay you half half the amount we owe for the next ten months, and then we'll figure out if we can pay more. And lo and behold, they they agreed to to it and supported it, and so did UCC. And uh, I said, now what are we going to do? You know, and uh, <laughs> but. You know, we had faith as a congregation, and uh, lo and behold, we went from that low point to late in the 90s. I don't know the exact date now when we burned the mortgage. Late 90s, which isn't too bad. But it was like within, within um, 15 months or so, we were paying the, the full amount, and then we started doubling it, and then we started, you know, paying off the whole mortgage. So, And it was sort of like the fish in the loaves, you know, where did it come from? You know, but it, it happened, and uh, that's just a, a story of, a, of this congregation. Would anyone else like to share a story? It doesn't matter if you've been here only a few days or many years since the beginning. We all have stories to share. Mike, um, we didn't actually burn the mortgage. As I recall, it would not burn. It was it was sitting in the it was sitting in that grill. Yeah, right. It's something like that. Anyway, we we tried to do it in a we didn't want to set the church on fire because that would not have been good. Uh, anyway, I've been here twenty six years. In that time, we have gone through. Let's see. I've lost my mother. I lost my brother. We had two cases of successfully treated cancer. I I don't know why I stay around you people, but. Uh, <laughs> But we also had four graduations for two kids, four big graduations and everything. Uh, and you guys were always there. And that's the great thing about it. I know Kathy doesn't come to church very much, but when she, was ha- she was, had her cancer treatment, you guys organized food for her and everything and came over, saw her, and we get, you know, you, you've always been there. And that's what, the, this is a family. I've got like three families. I've got my regular family and the work family, but I've got this family too. And that's a a great thing. And I thank you all for that. Um, When my husband and I were going to get married, we called several churches because I, uh, moving here, hadn't started going back to church. And my husband, who was raised Catholic, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, had a son, my stepson, John, who was three or five at the time we got married. And so many churches turned us away, and Carl was so wonderful. But anyways, he was very welcoming. Um, He married us. And then a real quick story. Um, This is when the church, it was in 85, they were building this beautiful church, and he promised me it would be built in time for the wedding, which was in October. And I was ordering my invitations, and I said, Carl, are you sure it's going to, be built. Oh, it'll be built. And I'm like, okay, I'm ordering them. And so then when I got them and I came by here a few times, I'm like, Carl, I'm ready to mail them out. <laughs> and he's, he's like, well, we maybe should look at it for another church. So he, he married us at the Methodist church. But when I stopped by here before I had that final call, there were a few cars and I came in and Becky was one of the people that was here and they were painting. And I'm like, you think this church is, I'm supposed to be getting married in the end of October. Do you think it's going to be finished? And she's like, pick up a paintbrush, girl. 
<laughs> and I was young, and I was like, wow, this is not going to be ready. <laughs> so anyways, I just have wonderful memories, and I think that just from day one, it was so welcoming. Obviously, we had to meet with him and go through the classes and everything, but it, this church has always been very welcoming, and like you, we've been through a lot, and this church has always been very supportive. One of the things that probably delayed the um, opening of the church was that our builder went bankrupt. And so that was a major problem. And so with God's inspiration and the people's work, they did a lot of the work themselves to get the church finished. And that is all the work of God in this people here. And so I do want to praise you all and praise God for that. As you know, my name's Shakita. I joined this church uh, about 2007. I was looking for a church to go to, and I came to this church, and uh, there was a little lady here. I forget her name, but she died some time ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, Helen. And uh, she welcomed me to the church, and uh, she gave me a flyer, and she was very nice, and she asked me if uh, I was interested in joining, and I told her I was. So I came back, and I continued to come back, and I found the people to, very, to be very warm and giving. That's how I became a member of the church. My name's Betsy. I'm a charter member of the church. And so my family and I first came when the church was meeting at the church house. And then we went on and had our church services at the elementary school prior to this wonderful church being built. But one of the things that I remember, and since Shirley said it, I I'll certainly repeat it. Yes, indeed. The, the builder went bankrupt, right? Sort of in the middle of the thing. And it left a lot of work to be done. And I remember a day that Dave, who most of us know, they come regularly, and Denny were up painting the exterior outside where the cross is. They'd climbed up the ladder, neither of them being really good at this sort of thing, <laughs> but they did it anyway, and there they were, and Denny dropped his paintbrush. <laughs> However, when the paintbrush landed, it landed handle in and straight up. So all he needed to do was come down, pick it up, and Dave said to him, God's here. He's helping us out for sure. And that certainly was one of, the, one of the small things that happened that let us know that we were doing the right thing in the right place with the right people. I actually spoke with Dave on Thursday. He told me he was sorry he couldn't be here. And he said, if I could, I would tell you this story. And he told the exact same story, <laughs> except he was on the, the ladder. He dropped the paintbrush. The roles were reversed, so. I'm Tom. I think most of you know me. Um, I just want to say that uh, something, this is rechartering Sunday, and for the purposes of rechartering, I just want to let you know I told Alex this this morning, that last night when we came back from uh, Bowie Fest, some lights that have been out for at least 20 years, or at least in the period that I've been here, were on. So that was very rechartering. <laughs> I mean, these are the uh, low-level lights. Pardon me? I, 
Exactly, except it's been rechartered. <laughs> right, and Janice is going to tell our final story. Oh, okay. One. I'm Janice. I have to say, we fell in love with Carl immediately, but then we fell in love with the Bickle boys and precious Carissa because they would sit up front. We, our kids were little preschoolers, and they were hugging and leaning and leaning on their mom, and now to see them all, you know, having babies and just seeing them grow up on that front bench um, warms my heart. Yeah. Good morning. I'm Judy. So um, let me start back. What, 1989, my church, mom and I church, uh, Trinity UCC disbanded, and we were looking for a new church to go to, and we shopped around for years. Um, and finally, in 1993, we came here, and Carl was so welcoming. Um, this we knew was going to be home. So we joined here together, mother and daughter, 22 years ago. Sorry. But anyway, Trinity hasn't finished working because, as Jean said, this church had some problems at the beginning. And I don't know how many of you know this, but Trinity developed a trust. And with the money where we sold the church was just over a million dollars. And here... 25 years later, that money is still helping new churches and churches that are in trouble. And mom was on that board, and a couple years ago, I was asked to be on that board. So every six months, we get together and we give out money to churches who are in need. And so for me, it's a continuation of the giving. And to see churches and to hear Gene say how this church needed help back then, and this trust from these people when we disbanded this church and came here is still working. So we are still out there in the community. This church doesn't end at these doors. And I thank Carl and this church for welcoming mom and I to this church 22 years ago. Well, i make sure I didn't miss anyone. Friends, I appreciate you sharing your stories with us. Let us remember these are not just stories of this church, but these are stories of the presence of God. These are stories of the body of Christ at work. And whenever we gather, we tell the story of God, God's amazing grace, God's love for us as shown in Jesus Christ. And we tell that story when we gather around Christ's table, as we will in a moment. And stories are sacred spaces. I've always said that one of the, the most special aspects of my vocation is that people welcome me in and they share their story with me. So I thank you for sharing your stories this, month, this morning. As we gather to share in the story of Christ gathering around the table, I invite the choir up to sing.